Welcome back, boys and girls, to another episode of K-Fabe Comparisons. My name is Mr. Know-It-All, Daniel John Schaefer, and today I am joined once again by the Holy Trinity, the K-Fabe crew, Mr. Jesse Baker, and Wex breaking the Lawson. Boys, how are we doing today? Man, I cannot complain at all. Doing quite well. This is going to be... Quite a comparison show today. I can't wait for it. There's a whole lot to dissect here, and I am excited. It's something. It's gonna be. Uh, it's gonna be something. Wex, how you living, bud? Oh, I'm living great, and I'm definitely excited too about this one. This is gonna be pretty ridiculous. I literally finished up the main event for one of these shows right as we were getting ready to go on air. So I'm I'm fresh and ready. I'm I'm really excited here today. We are going twenty almost twenty five years. Uh, a couple months, a couple months shy of 25 years for WCW's Bash at the Beach 1996. I thought it was a perfect time to cover this one because AEW just did their TV special Beach Break. And we know how uh, AEW likes to use some of those WCW themes. Um, so I felt like this comparison was going to be really good. Uh, and here we go. So let's just kick it right off here. Let's start with the 25-year comparison show. It's a, it's Bash of the Beach 1996, the uh, the show that started it all, if you will. Match number one on the card here is Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. Wex, what do you think about this one, bud? Dude, this match, like, it really, like, it should have set the tone for how good the pay-per-view should have been, because if that was the case, this match, like, it was fucking fantastic. I wish, like I said, I wish the rest of the pay-per-view could have been as good as this match. It was amazing, like... Rey Mysterio at how old was he at po- this point? It said he was uh, 21 years old, but he was a seven-year yeah, vet at that point. Like, yeah. how many 21-year-old seven-year vets? It's like him and Riho. That's about it. Like, or maybe yeah. some uh, re- some random British wrestler because they start training when they're like 12. But man, this match was like fantastic. Of course, like the lucha moves they do, all the fantastic high-flying moves, and then I, I really love Tanay on commentary here in this match. The co- uh, commentary absolutely fantastic during this like like everything dusty like it just felt so good to hear dusty Rhodes on this it was just everything he said was fantastic but dude psychosis went for it i thought was like a top rope leg drop but it looked like he botched they said a senton but i don't know if that was actually supposed to be a senton or not but besides that like this match was pretty fucking solid like they didn't really have too many botches like all the high risk shit that you like would see a couple botches and they norm they pretty much busted it all out and all of uh, Ray's Hurricane Rana's that Tony kept saying it's a Frankensteiner which I uh, I really like that and I really love the it was the top rope Razor's Edge but I I forgot what the name of the actual move was but he reversed it in the Rana for the pin like that was fucking sick great match I don't know if you guys think I'm crazy but I'm gonna go six beers on this match it got me really fired six up solid beers wow I really lo- I really love the work it's like my style of match I love the high yeah. flyer the, the lucha mixed with the submissions like they hit all cylinders for me set it off hot that's why I said I wish that this really would have set the tone for how the pay-per-view should have went but god damn it I love this match we'll get into it Jesse what do you think about this one psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr. I mean, it's hard to disagree on most fronts, man. It was very high speed. You could tell these guys had worked together, but the way they were working together was still organic. It wasn't like they choreographed anything. It was that they just knew each other that well, which is always kind of the best match. Um, There was a lot of action against the railing. I noticed there was a lot of stuff to the outside, and you could tell that 
they were both going pretty hard. Like uh, for a cruiserweight match, a lot of the maneuvers were just a little that much more rough, that much more high impact. And uh, you know, this that senton to the outside. I mean, whether he fucked it up, whether he fucked up a leg drop or he meant to do a senton, I really don't care. That was brutal. That was yeah, dude. For yes, sure. that's why I was like the craziest looking spots I've seen in a long fucking yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, Psychosis tries to end it with the Splash Mountain from the top, countered Splash into the Splash Mountain, uh, that's the name of it. It's like a razor's edge type beat. It's one of those, I mean, it's a perfect opener to get everybody hyped for the show, and honestly, even, we'll go through the rest of the card here, and even though this was by far, in a way, I'd say one of the three best matches on the card easily. For sure, oh for sure. It makes sense to put this first, because if you had opened with any of the following four matches, well, yep. three of them, three of them, I'd say, you'd be pretty flat. So I gave it five beers. The only reason I did not go the full six uh, was there. A lot of the work kind of made me think they went out there with a, a purpose and driven to go real hard, but it did kind of mess up some stuff. There was some stuff that was a little sloppy and not so tight, especially some of the bumps against the railing where I'm like, ah, fuck like that. Oh, could- like that suicide dive where he just busted his head into the rail. Yeah, that was real. Yeah. Little things like that that I'm like, you guys could have ended your career trying to show out. So I gave it five beers, but man, what a stellar opening match. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much kind of in the same boat. I'm a little bit less. I was a four and a half beers on this one. Uh, but you guys pretty much covered all. I mean, it was a banger for sure. I will say that I don't know if any one style has influenced current professional wrestling more than Lucha Libre over the past 25 years. I would say that the Lucha style has influenced more modern American wrestling than pretty much any other style. Uh, I, I, I had the same note here, too, about Mike Tanay. It was really good to hear his voice. I felt like he was super on top of it. Uh, I mean, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I, I mean, l- listen, I like Tony. I think he's hilarious. But if I if you have to choose between Tanay or Shivani, I'm going with Tanay, Tanay every single time. Uh, personally, I just think he's a much more educated uh, wrestling announcer. I think he's a better play-by-play guy than Tony is. I think Tony's he's pretty the, good at color. He's the insider, dude. Yeah, yeah, he's the like, insider yeah, I mean, we all had the same note about the senton off the top, too. I mean, Jesus Christ, it was absolutely Ooh. vicious. I, okay, so, like, the the reason why the, I got four and a half here is just because I felt like they recycled this Splash Mountain into a Hurricane Rana, like, raided with a couple different opponents. Like, he did it with Dean, too, and he also did it with Eddie. So it's like, I don't know. I, I mean, granted, it's a hell of a finish. It's, it's fucking awesome, and if you can do it, why not? I get it, but four and a half for me, still love the match. I mean, four and a half beers is... Is a win all the way around. I think we all thoroughly enjoyed it. But let's uh, let's jump over here to the current day product. It's AEW Beach Break. It's a dynamite special. Uh, you know, okay. So the reason why I picked the show is because they had been pushing this as a special show. So I was thinking it was going to be more along the lines of a special. And when the show opened with just the basic dynamite open, I was kind of like, wait, there's not a special open here. Is it really going to be that different? And then the opening match here is a tag team battle royal. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and take the lead on this one. I mean, it's a battle royal, so it's not going to be a a barn burner. But there were some good advances for storylines. Luchasaurus looked like a million bucks for sure. Uh, A bit of a botch on the chokeslam to Grayson, but he seemed okay to the outside. Uh, I mean... M Jericho F or whatever it is they're going by got the win. And that was nice. Uh, the Sammy storyline being further definitely helped the rating on this. So for me, it was right there in the middle. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. Uh, but I was, I wasn't, uh, mad that I watched it. So I gave it three beers dead in the middle. Um, Wex, where are you at on this tag team battle Royal? 
I'm pretty much right there with you. I went three and a half beers. And the only reason I went a little bit more is because I just kind of liked some of like the random little spots that they did here or there. And I really love Tony Schiavone on commentary saying, you live and you die by the silly string. That That's one of my favorite yeah. lines that I've heard him say in a while. And overall, like that final, when they got to that final six, like I really liked the dynamic they worked. But again, like I mentioned this before, Another old Canadian winning a battle royal in the same week when a, somebody somebody younger could have took that spot. His tag team partner was a tag team battle royal. MJF could have definitely got the elimination right there. I, I, I potentially could have gave it the four beer if a, MJF could have got the elimination. That's the only reason I went three and a half instead of four. Jesse, what do you feel about it, man? I mean, AEW opening with getting everybody on their roster almost TV time that's not already featured is pretty common at this point it's a little hectic it it kind of is like it works sometimes and then sometimes it's oversaturation sometimes to the casual viewer you know they kind of don't have any investment or reason to give a shit who anybody in the ring is unless they already know who they are so you drew some interest in you know if i'm if i'm joe blow and i don't really watch wrestling but i happen to be watching this you've drawn me in to figure out who the good brothers are by the fact that they were kind of square featured a little bit you've drawn me into the Bucks probably for the same reason. Maybe John Silver just because he got a chance to show his ass a good amount. And then Jericho, you know? Yeah, I mean, probably. Well, you know, it's the same value. I, I mean, you can't you can't negate that for sure. It was a uh, it, it did some stuff to further a couple of different stories, which I get and I like. I didn't like the fact that Jericho won. Whether his team won or not is kind of a moot point, but I really just figure if you're going to do that and you're going to get everybody TV time, why not take that opportunity to – put somebody else in that spot, let them eliminate Jericho in front of the new people that might be watching. You know what I mean? Sure. So uh, I gave it two beers, two beers, two beers. So uh, Jesse's already a little down on the AEW show here. Uh, let's hop back over here to 1996 then. And uh, before we get to the next match, we had a pretty decent promo from Conan here uh, before pre, you know, pre Cholo gimmick. I thought it was uh, it was pretty cool to see him with his fringe there and kind of delivering a, an authentic baby face promo um, other than, you know, clotheslining women. Um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jesse, what do you think about that Conan promo, man? Uh, the thing I enjoyed the most was when he was asked to explain what happened at the end of the Lucha Libre match to everyone, because obviously. Oh, we- yeah. We couldn't see it, and we didn't hear four fucking people explaining it already. Not to mention Tony Schiavone calling the Hurricane Rana potentially fatal, which yeah, I, oh, well, yeah. I thought was yeah, fucking yeah. great. <laughs> but, um, so Conan proceeds to explain what happened, which was priceless, and then goes straight seamlessly into this promo on Flair and about how yeah. he doesn't have an entourage and about how he's going to retain his U.S. championship. I, I love Conan's look here. I mean, I didn't really yeah. love his entrance look so much but i i really loved his in-ring look i like the presentation of this and the vignette i thought was great yeah man what do you think about that conan promo wix i re- i really enjoy it. i actually wrote down specifically that was a cool interview with conan i like how he delivered the promo and like you said it was cool seeing the pre-cholo pre-wolf pack pre uh the what, what was there uh what was that one team they had later with ray mysterio the filthy animals or something like the that. filthy animals yeah and the no limit soldiers like the pre, rascals pre, or something now yeah rascals, just basically pre cholo conan back yeah. when he was like in between you know after his wwf run but he was real hot in mexico because that's when they were promoting him as the mexican heavyweight champion at the time but and it took me like halfway through the match that we we're getting ready to get into to realize that it was the triple a logo that was on his gear 
Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I didn't realize what I was like. Like, what's the fu- oh oh? Because it's like he he was just moving around too much. Representing, representing. You know, that's what he's trying to do. But let's uh, let's yeah. get on to the next match here. Um, and wow, this is uh, this is what they put to follow Mysterio and Psychosis. It's John Tinta versus Big Bubba. I don't know on any you know whoever has a pencil that has ever done booking in pro wrestling why anyone would ever think that this would be a good match, let alone put them in a program to have this be a blow off in a gimmick match, which was like a silver dollar sock on a pole match. <laughs> it does not get more WCW than this, boys. It just doesn't get more WCW than this. Jesse, what do you think about Tenta versus Big Bubba here, bro? I love how everyone always jokes that Russo is the one that puts everything on a pole, and you can't blame Russo for this one. Uh, this is a little bit nope, much. Sure can't. We got two guys who, you know, basically couldn't climb a fucking treadmill, and you put the gimmick on a pole. Like, how is this gonna, gonna go love going it. into love it, it? You automatically know there's got to be shenanigans, right? And there's so much focus on the commentary on Tenta's haircut. <laughs> God in heaven. This just this sluggish back and forth leading to this big tie up spot where, you know, it's like we're going to tie you up and I'm going to go get this silver dollar stock. I'm going to send Jimmy Hart after it because, you know, Jimmy Hart's spry and young, yeah. and, you know, get his ass up there. And uh, Tenta obviously manages to swipe the sock from Jimmy Hart. One big whop. One, two, three. I gave it one beer only because it was so <laughs> fucking ludicrous. Both of these guys. Yeah, I think this is 1996. In 1992, both of these guys were like main event level WWE. And so you're four years removed in their fucking second match for a silver dollar sock on a pole. So perspective. Yeah, totally true. Wex, what do you think about John Tenta versus Big Bubba here? (sighs) I went just a little bit higher, but like not much higher just because there's a few reasons I went two and a half beers for this match. And like you said, like WCW was even doing fucking shit on a pole match in 96. Like, so just like Jesse said, you cannot blame Russo for this shit. And one thing that I want to point out, John Tenta and Big Bubba, Big Boss Man, were both 33 years old in this match because they were born just two months apart in 1963. And they got them difference in how they look like. Tenta looks like 46 at this point, and Bubba actually doesn't look too bad at this point. Like, like Jesus Christ, though, they're both they're, uh, Jesus Christ. They're both 33 years old, though. Like, but that's insane. I enjoyed the shenanigans with Jimmy Hart, and like just the the just the fact that it was I was ironically watching a WCW on a pole match that was called. Not just it was the Carson City Silver Dollar match, which I what still the fuck is that <laughs> exactly. Like, I still don't know where, exactly where why it was called. No, it's like coal miner's glove type thing, man. Like that doesn't even but it's not even a real thing either. I, I will I will say this was better than Big Bubba and Hugh Morris because at least they worked like they should and there wasn't unnecessary. I mean, like they literally, I guess. For what they had and what they were like set up with, I think they did a pretty decent job at what they could do. I mean, well, yeah. Carson City is in Nevada, and we all know this was in Daytona, so, so this makes fucking no crazy. fucking sense at all. Yeah, maybe Tenta's from maybe Tenta's from Nevada, but <laughs> man, to be honest, dude, I don't know where Tenta is from, but I don't know who let him leave the house with that like half skullet. I just don't. That understand. was part of the story. No, that was part of the storyline. Oh yeah, because they cut his hair. That's right. Big Bubba made him shave yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. So that's what happened. But I mean, 
yeah, it was rough. I guess they, I mean, you can tell they weren't working for Vince because one of them got choked with a belt and they both kept their job. So, but yeah, I just went two and a half beers just because it was a little funny and ridiculous yeah. for me. Two and a half beers. Damn, him over here marking out about it. Just for fun. I'm just, just because it made fun. me, I had, I had a good, I, I enjoyed the bullshit. Wex is just feeling charitable over here tonight. He's just being, be just giving out beers like they're just going out of style. I was hoping Mance Warner was going to come out and clock somebody somehow with and oh, I mean, pulled somebody up with a knife during. Just this pulls match. in with the DeLorean out of the time machine and just magically yeah, appeared like, on this show. I'm gonna whoop I feel like somebody's if anybody ass. Could, it would be uh, him for sure. That's what I was hoping um, for, but ho- hopefully, in some weird future paradox parallel universe, we'll get that happening. Man, dude. I, okay, so I'll say this, dude. It was a garbage match. The wrestling was just terrible. But, dude, somehow, some way, it was hella over. Like, the crowd was hype as hell for this match. Like, and when he, they finally did get the sock down and he hit him with it the one time, like, it was a massive pop from the crowd. I mean, like, I was like, Jesus, like, these people are so easily entertained. Like, God, like, so I, I literally gave it one beer just because, hey, you know what? They, they they popped like you know what I mean like they, they worked the crowd their job is to go out there and get the crowd into it and they got the crowd into it their work rate was it. absolute drizzling dog shit but the match it got people into it and that's the name of the game right that's what that's really what a good worker is so one beer you gotta I give it a whole one beer just for that even though in my brain I wanted to give this negative beers I wanted to like vomit some beers up it was that shitty uh, but let's, you know what, let's just keep it rolling here in 1996. There's a ton, tons of 90s matches to cover. So, uh, but right before we get to the match, the next match though, it was a pretty damn awesome 90s sting and macho man promo. Very fitting. I'm glad that they took up all the time and didn't really let Luger speak much. It made it way better. Uh, Jesse, what'd you think about that promo, man? Oh, I thought it was great. You had the classic like macho man just, you know, with his back to the camera most of the fucking time, <laughs> yeah. which is has always made his promos to me just the complete unorthodox approach you have to that. And yes, they thankfully they didn't really let Luger speak very much and do his whole thing where he holds an L up with his hands while he's talking. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but oh. every one of his promos, he holds his hand up in the shape of a backwards L. Just watch dummy. for it. He'll like draw lines with it and shit. It's crazy. But they uh, they did they avoided that. They're all in the unified Sting face paint, trying to make a team effort out of it for WCW. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I thought it furthered the main event storyline. And instead of being every other sentence of the show, which was "Who's the third man? Where's Eric Bischoff?" Yeah. Hostile takeover. Yeah, there it is. Those are the those are the three hashtags for the night. Wex, <laughs> what do you think about this dose of nostalgia in this promo here? Hey, I, like as soon as I heard. Mean Gene's voice and Macho Man's voice together, like just almost brought tears to my eyes. It just felt good to hear that, hear that combination together. Bro, Sting, like I mean, honey, baby. Sting in the promo was great, like obviously, but just hearing Macho Man and Mean Gene together, but this and this being pre NWO Macho Man still in his classic gear, it was great. Lex is definitely the weakest fucking link on the mic, so I'm definitely glad he didn't really get to spit much on this. I enjoyed it. It just reminded me, it takes me back to nothing means nothing mean gene, you know. Yeah, oh, I love it. I love it. Thinking, thinking, thinking. Oh, man, it's good stuff. Gotta love anytime the Macho Man is on the mic. Next match on the card here, though, is Hacksaw Jim Duggan versus Diamond Dallas Page. 
And, uh, you know, okay, look, I was anticipating that I was actually going to despise it and it was going to be the one of the worst matches here, but it wasn't the worst. I mean, like, Duggan was still kind of spry. I mean, he wasn't good, but at least he was keeping up. And DDP sold like a wild man. I mean, it was definitely Hokies and 90s as hell. But, I mean, remember at this time on the other show, we had, like, occupational gimmicks and shit. This is still pre-Attitude Era, so, like, for what they're doing, like, they're, I felt like they had a pretty decent showing. Um, I mean, it really wasn't a bad match. DDP getting the win definitely helped, too. I love that they started even this year putting that diamond cutter over. Because, I mean, even on commentary, it was like nobody gets up from that. Um, you know, I didn't even go halfway with it. After saying all that, it still wasn't a great match. But it was over, and it was better than the match prior. I gave it two and a half beers. Jesse, what do you think about Hacksaw versus DDP? I feel bad for the rating that I gave the match because I actually literally just this afternoon, since we're recording a little bit later than normal, I spent my time watching the new DDP documentary on Amazon Prime, Relentless. That's about him forming his DDP yoga company and all that stuff. It's really yeah. good. I highly recommend you check it out. If you're a Prime customer, it's on there for free right now. Yeah. Um, but that being said, this is one of the dumbest fucking concepts for a match that <laughs> has ever come across my plate. The taped fists match for the battle bowl ring. Now you talk about a bad concept. The fucking battle bowl is the worst. That's <laughs> yeah, like some of the hardest shit to watch ever. But they, I don't know what tape fists means. I mean, these guys are wearing tape when they come to the ring anyway. They kind of made it like it was going to be a boxing match. But, I mean, they start with a lockup. It's not like they ever tried to fight a different kind of yeah. match. Uh, except for at some point DDP makes the theatrics of cutting the tape off of Hacksaw's fist, and Heenan even says, he's going to be all alone out there. <laughs> I just what? don't understand any of it at all. Uh, my notes literally say towards the end, this is stupid as fuck, diamond cutter out of my misery, zero beers. Oh, no, that's so sad. Wex, what do you think about this one? Uh, uh, you guys are going to think I'm crazy, but I gave this the exact same rating as I gave the last match, two and a half beers. Yeah, I mean, I'm two and a half with you on that one, yeah. I mean, I say, I mean, DDP always looks pretty good, but like I said, I have this, I literally have written down, I still don't understand the tape fist concept. It just yeah. doesn't make any, make any fucking sense, but I mean, continued throughout the night, Bobby the Brain Heenan had, was just fucking great on commentary, and one of my favorite lines in this match in particular, they were talking about him winning the battle bowl ring, and he goes, he goes, he already has a ring at home, you know, the one in his tub. Uh, yeah, oh yeah, like, I popped for that one. I was like, oh god, <laughs> like, and I'm Tony, and every time, like, I love Tony trying to like, I love the ba just like the three way banter between Dusty, him, and Tony, like, fucking perfect. I love the shit. But the thing is, DDP is supposed to be the heel, but after the match is over, Hacksaw gets a cheap shot in, which didn't make sense. I just didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I was just like, so the hills getting and they even said oh he got a cheap shot like they're even putting it over on commentary he got a cheap shot but he's supposed to be the baby face at this point that just didn't make really much sense and this is like you know 96 that i feel like in 96 they would have they would at least be still trying to get shit together but it's wcw you know how shit went but two WCW. and a half beers two and a half beers man all right let's jump back over to the current day show here uh, before we get to the next match, we had a vignette for Jade that I thought was kind of awkward. I mean, it was pretty much just like a glorified gym commercial, and she can talk. So why was it just her lifting wait, weights? Wait, 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 wait. Come again? Like, she can talk. What? She can talk. I mean, she can talk yeah. in, enough, enough for a vignette. I mean, for a pre-taped shit, she can talk. 
Any, I, I I don't know what you've heard that I haven't, but anytime I've heard her on a microphone, it was a fucking F5 level disaster. I don't think it was that bad. No, Are you kidding? The no, first time she came out there was one of the worst fucking things I've ever seen. It was the most awkwardly timed, like, she just had all these pauses in her shit. It was awesome. the first time, but, like, her, the last thing she did with that little, like, uh, the waiting room segment, that wasn't too bad. She got yeah. She's gotten a little bit better. I don't know, man. It's, I, that, it's a pre-tape though, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, and, pre- and dude, you can all, yeah, like, especially you know how the magic of editing. You know, how you can make people. Sound I just don't. Great I don't think that. I don't, I don't think her on the mic is her strong suit. I think her as an athlete and her shape is her strong suit. It kind of made sense to me. I mean, yeah, like, she's definitely like she's more swollen than like half the fucking dudes on the roster. You know? Yeah. Oh, straight up. No, she's she's a specimen. Totally. I mean, she definitely has the vibe. Um, so all our asses. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And then we also had the uh, the Sting and Allen team Taz promo thing that I thought was kind of lackluster at best. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's only so many times where you guys can go back and forth on the mic before something has to fucking happen here. If you don't hey. think these are the eyes of the icon, look again. Like, well, I no. will say the star of that little thing was Ricky Starks. Oh yeah. Ricky Starks cut the bet. Was like I know. I think that was more of a showcase for him to get a little bit over because Sting's promo might have been a little bit lame, but maybe that was because Ricky Starks was about to respond with some hot shit, which he kind of did. And I think he's definitely going to be like the breakout dude of the group because he's just he's a, he doesn't he doesn't really need Taz, you know, he doesn't no, need that mouthpiece. So eventually, I think he's going to see he'll be the guy. Yeah. yeah well. I mean, speaking of somebody who should be the guy but isn't yet, uh, it's Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa's the next match on the card here. Um, Wex, what do you think about this this uh, women's match here? I actually thoroughly enjoyed this match, and this is probably yeah one of my higher rated matches on the card. Like Britt Baker, she's pretty solid. I mean, I wouldn't say she's amazing, but like she's you know pretty fucking damn good. And yeah. Thunder Rosa is on. I mean, she's on another level. She's like. Super hot, and, like, we were, I think I was watching this, me and Jesse were actually watching Dynamite that night, and I had some shit going in the microwave, and before I, they were showing a little vignette, and before I know it, I come in here, and boom, she's hitting a Death Valley driver on the uh, the stage, and wow. the shit just got super hot before I even knew it, and they were hitting everything, and, like, they had this really weird, which I was talking about. There was this really weird chant going on in the crowd, and I couldn't figure out what it was, but they were trying to do the Thunderstruck by ACDC for Thunder Rosa, <laughs> and it just, like, wasn't working. I was just like, eh, it was going like, ah, and I was like, what are they doing? And then it finally clicked, but I was just like, yeah, that shouldn't did work. But that one little sequence they had where they were, like, roll to reverse to the – trying to get into the lockjaw to reverse, and then she lifted up, and I could tell she wanted to do the Death Valley driver, but she went into the suplex, like – that was a fucking sick sequence. I went four brewskis on this match out of the six pack. So I don't know if you guys thought it was as hot as I thought it was, but what do you think? Jesse, where you at on it, man? Dude, I this is my favorite match of the AEW card uh, of this particular evening. I thought it was great. The the super fast start, the exchanges back and forth. I thought that it was kind of expertly timed and expertly done in terms of who was on top. Uh, each time as they kept on kind of rolling that advantage over. I thought that was extremely well-oriented. Vicious Death Valley driver on the ramp. I had a note about that. I mean, fuck. That, it just looked so good. The whole thing looked, I mean, all of their exchanges for the most part I thought looked really good. Super stiff shots. I thought the groundwork was awesome in the middle of a match like this that kind of started out 
with a brawl and had a couple of really high impact spots. And then they go into the ring and they have all these exchanges of some pretty solid fucking groundwork. I mean, I, yeah, I'm always going to be, I'm always going to mark out for that. I thought the finish was strong. It kind of keeps both of them on top. Um, and yeah, I thought it was a match of the night. I gave it five whole beers. Wow. Five beers. Yeah. I'm a little bit less than both of you guys. I'm about three and a half beers on this one. Um, I mean, to me, it's not, I thought the match was fantastic. I just don't understand why Britt Baker isn't defending the title here. I don't understand why she's not the champ. I think it's a waste. I think that I know the idea that you're building towards that, but you're, you're not really building towards that. Like there's no program for her and she's obviously the most featured woman on your show and your title is not anywhere to be seen. It just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, the match was good. I will give it that for sure. But there was, to me, there was no stakes. Uh, bell to bell is probably the most, the most entertaining match on the card. So I did give it a three and a half beers, but it just bothers me because of the booking there. I feel like the, the women's division in AEW is the worst booked women's division in professional wrestling. In my opinion, um, I'm not saying that AEW has the worst booking. I'm saying specifically for the women's division out of, you know, the, the main three or four companies, I think AEW is, is doing the, the worst job, um, just with booking their women. And honestly, it's because. I mean, the talent's there. This match was awesome, but for what was it? What was it for? You know what I mean? Like, wh- was there even a long? St- there wasn't even really a long-standing issue with Thunder Rosa. Didn't they build yeah, it just from the week had, before? Maybe weeks. two weeks. They had weeks of build-up. I mean, yes, yeah, yeah. there's actually been a while of build-up for her and Thunder Rosa. That's been going for a little bit. So I'm at, that's like why I'm a little. I mean, bit it's been a couple weeks, but it, it hasn't been more. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. Well, at I least just, a month, at least a month yeah. or more. I don't know about that. I, don't I feel like it's more than a month, but. No. Hey, go check yeah, out crazy. YouTube and check out my AEW review, and you can see that I've talked about it for at least like three to four episodes back. We'll see. We'll see. I'll go back. You know what? I'm going to challenge you on that. I'll go back and check it out. But let's let's move on to the next thing here. Back on the nostalgia show. Mean Gene again in the back with Kevin Sullivan and the Giant. What an awful fucking promo. Uh, <laughs> and then Lee Marshall and Benoit and Anderson, which is a pretty damn decent promo. Go figure. Uh, any more thoughts to add on those promos there, boys? Dude, just the on-screen combo of Kevin Sullivan and the Giant it, I, is the most... You want to talk about the most WCW shit. That, to me, yeah. is the most WCW Dude, and Mean Gene is taller than Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> that's that's the, that's the That was the roughest part. It's like, Jesus. Mean but Gene's Kevin like five, Sullivan's six. like... He's, he's like two Mean Jeans wide, but he's shorter. Yeah, he's a spark plug. But yeah, the next match on the card here is going to be the Public Enemy versus the Nasty Boys in a four-man dog collar match. Um, man, I, I mean, I liked the double box coverage that they did for most of this with the production. It was obviously a straight-up brawl. It's not my style at all. But again, the crowd was definitely into it, and the Nasties got the win. And I mean, it was what it was. I didn't hate it uh, just because it was something different. Uh, I gave it one and a half beers. Wex, what did you think about Public Enemy versus Nasty Boys here? I didn't go much higher than you on this one, but like you said, just because of how ridiculous it was, and at this point, you know, this is the third gimmick match in a row. We had an on a pole and the tape fist bullshit match. Now we're going to the four-way <laughs> dog collar match. Like, the only thing that saved this match for me was the commentary. Dusty Rhodes freaking him out about the rubber shark and, like, everything and then once he picked up the surfboard the brain says he's about to hang 10 and dusty's like oh my, i was about to say that like he <laughs> sounded so tickled that like 
he like jumped the, jumped the gun on his like fucking line that he was gonna say. Oh god, that's so and the, funny. The split screen was just like too fucking much for me. It was just goddamn chaos. And Tony Schiavone said it's trash can mania, and that's basically the pure description of this match: trash can mania. I'm gonna go uh, two beers just because the funniness and like the gimmick, like just how chaotic it was, and it was just straight up like you said, trash can mania. Quoted straight yes, up. Give it to me. I definitely also had trash can mania written down. Um, I mean, this with this gimmick, what, what are you gonna get? You know, it's the minute that they hook up those chains, you know what it's gonna be. And oh yeah, you, you had the poor ref scrambling all over the place because they decided to call it false count anywhere too. So while there are two separate fights going on that are picture in picture that are far apart, the ref is like running back and forth trying to make three counts on surfboards and shit. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Ridiculous, yeah. I, I disagree about the crowd being into this. It was something that I kind of felt coming through the screen that they fucking hated it. Like, I, I really felt like the I felt like everybody was completely out of this just because, I mean, even from a live crowd perspective, you've lost most of your visibility or sense of entertainment from such a thing for the majority of the match. It took them four years to get back to the fucking ring. And yeah. then they couldn't manage to break a table, which I I was like gut busting laughing each time. I am the table. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And it yeah, just the table won this match for sure. Wouldn't happen. Wouldn't happen. And then after just all of this ridiculous shit and weapons and yada yada yada, the chain lariat is what gets the win. He gets hung up on the chain like a clothesline. Nasties take the win, and then they eventually kind of break the table after the match. The Them breaking the table after the match is the reason I gave it one beer. <laughs> That's just diligence. They, they, you, know, is, they, you know what? There was dedication there. That's, I mean, I did have that written down that the winner of this match was actually the table. Um, I mean, I, I kind of believe that, but I don't know. It was It was slightly entertaining to me. Also kind of slightly entertaining is uh, the next match on the card here. It's Disco Inferno versus Dean Malenko for the Cruiserweight Championship. Uh, luckily, Malenko kind of dominated the majority of the match, so that that helped. Um, and and when Disco did get his offense in there, it, it, it was decent, uh, but not great. Uh, I, I did have a hard time keeping myself attentive for it. Like, I felt myself drifting because... I couldn't just, I just can't get attached to anything Disco Inferno does. I try, I've tried several times to watch this shit and it just doesn't click with me. He's got go away heat with me. I know he's not even that bad of an entering worker. It's just like, I can't, I just can't invest myself in Disco Inferno. That being said, Dean Malenko is, you know, arguably one of the best technical wrestlers, especially at this time. Um, when Dean got the win and I thought he deserved it. And again, I, I, I felt like the crowd was into this one, too. I gave it three solid beers. Didn't hate it. Didn't love it right there in the middle. Three solid beers for Disco Inferno versus Dean Malenko for me. Jesse, what do you think about this one? So I'm sure everybody's going to think I'm nuts, but this is my my beer run. If you're going to watch a match, watch a match this week from one of these shows that you should watch this match. Wow. I thought this match was surprisingly really fucking good. And... It is my second favorite match on the show next to Ray and Psychosis, but I just think the reason I would suggest this one over that one is because I think that you wouldn't expect this match to be decent at all. I mean, if you put it on paper, Disco and Malenko, I mean, you're going to think that's going to yeah. be awkward and a clash of styles and fucking awful. No, not only did Malenko get in a bunch of really unique and clean offense that was just innovative for that time, but he looked like a fucking killer 
And then when Disco did get offense in, I thought it was pretty solid. He had that gimmick over like Rover, which I really still challenge. Like, not that many people could do. He somehow that's, managed that's there. I mean, there. the the crowd was into it. Whether they were into it because they hated him or not doesn't really matter. They were just sure. they were fucking into it. The minute that he hits his second neck breaker and stops and dances, and the crowd is just fucking on fire. I'm like, dude, this guy's got him in the palm of his hand. Like. I don't know. I thought Disco hit some pretty decent offense. I thought I thought a lot of his moves actually looked good. If you notice, he did a version of the stroke, which would have been it would have predated Jeff Jarrett doing that move, that forward Russian leg sweep face buster. Um, a couple of different things by Dean. Super solid fucking brain buster early on in the match, which I definitely thought was the end. Um, he did this elevated guillotine leg drop where he kind of like hiked himself up on the second rope inside the ring and dropped just this sick. vicious fucking leg drop that I, it was kind of something I hadn't seen before that I just thought was really good. You you know, double underhook bomb to the Texas Cloverleaf for the win. Malenko looked great. I, honest to God, like I said, you got to give Disco some credit for getting that fucking character over. And I thought wrestling-wise, he actually looked decent in this match. I gave it four and a half beers, and I highly Jesus. suggest, I think it's a surprise. Wow. Four and a half beers. Jeez. Wax, what do you think about it? Uh, you th- might think I'm crazy, too, then, because I'm pretty much, like, right on the same level as Jesse. It's my second... As pure in-ring work, it's my second favorite match of the night on this card. Like, like you said, this was like whatever you're shit. smoking. I need some of that shit because, like, y'all are crazy tripping on this one. I think last stuff was called donkey butter, but uh, <laughs> Dean Malenko basically. <laughs> this was a showcase right here. He was just cold, calculated, like he said, stand, like stayed hard on Disco. Disco basically, besides that neck breaker, he was just hitting him with a bunch of clotheslines, which I really wasn't upset about it because when Dean was hitting his moves, he was selling great. I mean, and when he mounted, like he mounted a comeback, and he actually, uh, dude, he hit the fucking, he hit the Stone Cold's old finisher. He hit the, he hit the the stun gun, right? The stun gun. The stun gun. Stun gun, not the gun stun that Carl Anderson does. The stun gun, which is just like basically like a get like a flapjack guillotine onto the rope like on your neck yeah. or whatever but dude oh and tony Schiavone said he termed cruiserweight classic during this match in 1996 i just want to go ahead and put that out there he said that this is a cruiserweight classic pre-wwe so if any, they, they want to pay old tony Schiavone some money they might owe him something a little bit there if he wants to look into that but uh like I said, lots of clotheslines, but he hit the double underhook, the tiger. I, I called it a tiger bomb, which I guess would it be a tiger bomb. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, but dude, four beers for me. Not four and a half, four beers. Definitely second best in-ring work of the night, even though Disco might not have really done too much offensively. He, he did what he needed to do. It was fucking sick. Bro, how do you do all these AEW reviews and you call Tony Schiavone Tony Schiavone? It's just Shivani? Tony, it's just Shivani. 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 I've there's always no e, said Shivani. The e. Yeah, there's no E in there. It's just Shivani. Tony Shivani. Well, that's how I say it, and I'm going to continue to say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I got to keep fair. the gimmick going. That's fair. I mean, it, I guess it is what it is. And for the me, it's it just, spelled, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, you're right. That is how there's it's spelled. There's an I in there, yeah. Yeah, there is an I in there, but it's just Tony Schiavone. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it doesn't matter. Tomato, I'm just being tomato. an asshole, really. Yeah. Wrestling, uh, wrestling, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, there's not, there's not much more wrestling than the next thing on this current card, too. It's a uh, big money Matt Hardy and Hangman Adam Page versus the Chaos Project. And, um, 
yeah, I mean, here we are at match three. And honestly, outside of the opening match, it just kind of feels like a regular old dynamite to me. I mean, this uh, it did. I guess it did kind of further a storyline. Uh, but this belonged no place on a special if you're hyping for for weeks and weeks. Um, it wasn't a bad match. It was. It, I mean, if this had just been a regular dynamite, this would have been a fantastic show all around. Um, it was just. I don't know. I was. A little, it was a little lackluster. And by this time, I knew I was at least halfway through the card, and it just didn't really hit the mark. Sure, it furthered storylines, but I feel like specials should kind of be blow-offs to a lot of storylines. Uh, but here we are. I mean, I, again, like Bell to Bell wasn't bad. I'm glad that Luther is kind of getting a push or finally getting a run in a decent company uh, and he's getting some kind of screen time. I gave it two beers. I didn't hate the match itself, but I just wish that they would have booked this a little bit better. Uh, honestly, I would have been fine with just a straight up Matt Hardy versus Hangman Page here. Even if it was kind of built slower, I felt like the match would have been better. Uh, but Jesse, what do you think about, uh, you know, Big Money Matt and Adam versus the Chaos Project here? I just don't see why it was Chaos Project. It seems to me like you could have easily put them in that tag team battle royal and yanked out a team with some name value to do this with, with two of your yeah. top stars. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of felt like that was a poor choice. But, you know, I have down that Luther looks like George Steele, but less graceful. Graceful. Um, <laughs> The uh, there is some decent action in the match or whatever. L Luther to me always looks awkward. He almost always fucks something up every time he's on TV. But this time it was you know it wasn't a bad match. It's just kind of there for me though. I mean there wasn't really much to it. Hardy does the gimmick where he steals the tag for the win to create some dissonance with Hangman and you know I if they feud that'd be cool I guess. I'm kind of liking no, Hardy more. Really. I don't I don't love it but. I like Hardy more in his role that he's in with Private Party right now, and I think if they find a way to continue that kind of thing, that that's more where he needs to be. I mean, I don't mind seeing him in the ring sometimes, but this is just sort of a waste, and I felt like there are a thousand matches they could have put with their roster as it stands that would have stood to benefit way more than this. I gave it one beer. Wex, where are you at on it, man? I mean, like you said, like the whole thing, like I, I, I just feel like they, like Matt Hardy, they could be doing... If they just basically stick to the whole thing with Private Party, I don't really see where this whole story is going with uh, Hangman Adam Page. I wish he would kind of continue the stuff with the Dark Order. It doesn't really, it just doesn't really seem, it kind of seems like a filler, like a filler segment, a filler match at this point. It didn't really make sense that he's stealing the pin with him because he doesn't really have an alliance with him. So all that's going to do is just piss him off even more and make him not want to join up with him. Like, it makes sense with Private Party for the whole, like, storyline of him being the mentor and trying to teach them this and that and all that bullshit. And, like, he just seemed confused. I mean, I felt a little intrigued to see, like, where it was going to go. But, like, in the overall scheme of how it fit in for the show, it just didn't really do much for me. So I gave it two beers just because the work yeah. overall was good from the wrestlers. Like, they put in good work, but for how it was placed in the show and storyline-wise... Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't. I mean, you can't really fault AEW too much because you can already tell that they were building for a Brody Lee Adam Page thing eventually. Yeah. Um, so when you kind of have to drop that, it does kind of feel like they're rushing to put Matt and Adam together. But the fact of the matter is, you have to have Adam Page on the card. Absolutely. I mean, that dude is is money, and he deserves to be in something good. Um, I, it's really nobody's fault, you know. I don't think that. I'm sure that Adam Page doesn't feel any like ang you know angst towards the the people that are booking at AEW it's just i mean they had a plan for them it fell through now they're just kind of scrambling cuz they do seem to kind of try to have their storylines go for a while 
Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it sucks to see. Um, but you know what else sucks to see? It's this next match on the card. It's Joe Gomez versus Mongo in fucking 1996. <laughs> okay, I got to start this one off. Dude, the fucking crab claws on the camera for Mongo's entrance is a perfect summation of Mongo as a fucking wrestler. All together. Yeah. It was just like King Crab. I, I mean, easily worst match of the night. Worst match of either two shows. Utter, absolute, drizzling shits. Really bad. Uh, literally vomited two beers on this one. I, I I gave up two beers. I paid someone else two beers to ha- to make sure I don't have to watch this drizzling shit. I cannot believe. My biggest thing to me is I cannot believe that people trusted Mongo to give them a tombstone pile driver. People like trusted him to do that move. What the fuck? Like I have that the exact thing down. Yes, Jesus Christ! Like tombstone pile driver. What the fuck? Literally. How is that possible, guys? How is that? That's this is our what the fuck moment of the night. Mongo doing a damn tombstone to Joe Gomez of all fucking people. Oh my God, Wex, where are you at on this shit show? Uh, I only have a few notes. Wow, Mongo sucks. Sloppy as hell. But seriously, like. When it ended with the Tombstone Pile Driver, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? They just literally said this is his third professional, like, sorry, this is his third professional wrestling. God damn it, I can't fucking talk. This is his third pro wrestling match ever, and it's on pay-per-view, and he's doing a goddamn Tombstone Pile Driver. Like, WCW. (laughs) Like, are you fucking kidding me? It's WCW. We'll the commentary was more entertaining than the match itself. Like, that's the only the combination of the pure absurdness of the match is what made me at least give it one beer. Just because I could at least one enjoy, beer? I can enjoy that? it. I can enjoy the overall match for other reasons of the wrestling, just because of how shit it was, just as how, just the overall abs- absurdity, and more like you know, uh, mystery science theater three thousand. I'm enjoying the absurdity of it. I feel like so I just Mongo gave it McMichael. one beer just for that. Only it wasn't worth anything more than a beer. Just nah, he enough. owes me money for fucking taking that time <laughs> off of my lifespan. Straight up, Jesse, what do you think about this one? I mean, you know, the first thing I did, y'all know me, I got on Wikipedia and looked up Joe Gomez just because I'm curious, you know, I mean, wanting to know. Exactly. Oh, he had, he had I, a little I don't run know the there. Fuck for a that bit. was. Dude. What's funny is he was there in the early '90s and he went back to the Indies or whatever, and then he comes back in '96 here. This motherfucker was contracted with WCW through 1999. Oh, yeah. What? It's crazy to believe. I mean, I, it's just hard to think about. I, I remember seeing him here and there. I just He was the demon once, too, wasn't he? Uh, somebody told uh, – yeah, there's something on there like about they, him standing they, in was, once. I know him and Torborg. There's another guy. There's There was three dudes that were all – that all wore the, the, the demon gimmick at one point or another. I think he was only, like, once. I think his was, yeah. like, a standing mean, yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but I know that he came from, like, Mike Graham's territory and stuff, which doesn't really surprise me because he sucks. But, man, this match was just Coming an awful, awful, botchy, splotchy shit show. Uh, my note on Mongo was them letting Mongo use a pile driver as a finish is still insane to me. And, I mean, this this was his finish. He used it in a lot of matches. And it's just seeing that again, I'm like, God damn, it just seems so out of place. But uh, I gave it zero beers, and I don't think that's a surprise. No, I feel like that's fucking generous. Jesus. I mean, the ne- the next the next thing we got on the uh, current product here, I hate to say, I hate to say it, guys, but it's really not much better. Uh, it's it's the wedding. It's um, 
I, I, you know, you know what? I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let the re- our resident AEW reviewer go ahead and take the reins here. What did you think about this uh, this wedding segment, Wex? What did you think about this whole this whole deal? But right before we get into the wedding, what did you guys think about that little segment of right before we got that the inner the inner circle backstage? Oh, the promo the, thing. The, yeah, the little yeah, dis- the little dissension yeah, going yeah. on between I like Sammy that, yeah. Guevara. Basically, basically, you basically we see they're setting up Sammy Guevara versus MJF at some point. Yes, for sure. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, and that made sense. I thought it was cool. I also, um, I mean, that all that seems obvious to me at this juncture. I also really enjoyed the announcement of the Eliminator Tournament for the Women's Championship. Yes, the number too. one contendership or whatever. That whole announcement, the way they broke the brackets down and actually yeah. advertised everybody that was going to be on it, I thought was cool. I'm hoping that this is kind of step one to them realigning their walk on their women's division and maybe yeah, trying to make so a little bit Me more. Me too, definitely. It looks that way. I mean, shit, the uh, the tournament brackets look fucking awesome. Yeah, so. they do. I agree. I agree with that. The potential is there for sure. There are ways that they could fuck it up, but there is definitely the potential is there for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Well, so getting into the fucking wedding, dude, we got the sinister minister himself, James Mitchell. So uh, pop like, for that. Already, yeah. I'm gonna pop for that. And like, is he the, is he basically the go to guy for wrestling weddings uh, in the past like six months? I think he is. Yeah. He did Johnny Bravo and Rosemary's wedding. Yeah, I mean, sense, yeah. shot Johnny. You know, we, we we basically got that whole bullshit. But then you know, back to AEW. It's like I said, it's a second wrestling wedding in the past, you know, few months. And I love his classic lines: "Unholy matrimony to love and to grope instead of to love and to hold." And you know, the vows basically went on without a hitch. But you know, we got our post wedding. Uh, we got our post wedding shenanigans. The classic cake face, somebody popping out of the cake, even though they had a the little decoy package or whatever. Yeah, for a wet, for a wrestling wedding, I enjoyed that the vows. Like you never really see the vows go through without a hitch. Something somebody always stops. Some of they even kind of made a joke about it. Like Miro was like, "Yeah, we're not gonna go there." But like, yeah. you know, rating it for basically a pure wrestling wedding segment. You got James Mitchell. Uh, no wrestling, three beers, just, just for wedding. Just for wedding, you're giving it three beers? All right, Jesse, where are you at on it? Uh, you know, always going to pop for the Sinister Minister. He's looking as sinister as ever, and I just, he's just such the perfect wrestling trope to me that I always just enjoy seeing him on screen. <laughs> he's exactly what he claims to be. He's not, there's nothing complex, it's just very simple, and he always delivers, in my opinion, so I'm for it. There were a lot of poor attempts at humor during the vows. They clearly showed off Penelope's assets pretty intensely in that wedding dress. Yep. The whole uh, didn't mind that. Yeah. <laughs> So Penel, the the thing with Miro and the box and Chuck and I mean we all knew some stuff was going to happen, but the one impressive thing to me is that the wedding actually happened, which is rare in wrestling yeah, weddings. They actually go through with it. So that was one thing. I gave it two beers just for that, but um. One thing I will say, I really wish that the whole Lana, Naya, my whole segment had happened before this because it would have made <laughs> oh my God. Hey, I'm so glad here. we're talking about this, though. <laughs> God, the my whole thing might be the, the best whole, thing 
that Nia Jax has ever done and it arguably will be something that she is remembered for for the rest of her career. I think this is her legacy. I think this I is think the so. legacy she leaves. I think, the they WWE, my whole, they I think edited honestly, that out of the YouTube version and they edited that out of like the rebroadcast. They weren't no, happy. It's all, dude, they are fucking 100% going to make a shirt called My Hole with just Somebody her face. Is. It's going like to happen. Whole my, oh, <laughs> my Hole 316. And just have her face on the back that like, uh, like, oh, that would be so amazing. God. Instead of the broken skull, it's just that face with, like, smoke coming out of her ears or something. God, it'd be fucking hilarious. No, at least it'll be her asshole with smoke coming out of it. Her <laughs> hole. That'd be the, her that'd be, actual that'd be the, hole. My hole. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I can't even. Ugh. I'm so glad that we touched on that before I have to talk about this. But, yeah. So, it's James Mitchell is the official. Definitely did pop me. I will give you that there for sure. Uh, he's an incredible fit. And, honestly, he would be a great fit for the for the Dark Order, I feel like, too. I feel like he fits that fucking thing like a glove. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Jerry Lynn giving Penelope Ford away was a pop for sure. Um, okay. So, hear me out. I wrote this this idea down. This is fucking fantasy booking 101. I know that, like, so this is going to go two different directions. Firstly, I would like to say I understand that Penelope and Kip, this whole angle works because they got together in real life. I get that, right? But I legit wish that if we look at the start of AEW to now, that Sami Zayn and Kip Sabian were in literal, like, flipped spots. Like, I feel like... Because Kip is a badass in the ring. Like, he is super good. And I I honestly feel like Sammy's great, too. And Sammy does have that, have that cockiness. But I feel like the Latin lover cockiness thing would be so good here with Miro and, like, Penelope Ford. And I actually think that Kip Sabian would be a better... Because eventually they're working for the Sammy Guevara babyface turn. That's going to so happen. You mean, you mean Guevara, not Zane? Yeah, yes. I don't know why I keep saying Zane. Jesus Christ. Sammy yeah. Guevara, yes. My bad. But I, I, I mean, they're working for towards Sammy Guevara turning babyface and leaving the inner circle. I really feel like Kip Sabian could have been that guy. Anyway, but now what I'm saying is, now that we are talking about real life, and it did happen with with Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. Trent is on the shelf now for seven months, and you had this whole thing planned as a trio with the best friends and Orange Cassidy and Miro and Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian. Why is Joey Janela not just standing in for Trent for the next few months? Because the story is already fucking there. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that would be great. And I feel like him and Chuck would be a pretty decent little tag team. I feel like him working in a trio with Orange and Bits, like, I feel like that, that that's all comedy there. Um, I don't know. I mean, but they're all, they can go. I mean, Janela can go in the ring. He takes sick bumps. Like, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea. Getting back to my actual rating, I gave it two solid beers. The pop for Cassidy was huge. I felt like we saw it coming, but it was what it was. Two beers for me. What do you guys think about my fantasy booking, Jesse? I mean, I'm for it. I, I'm for anything that uses Joey a little bit more. I really like seeing him on screen. I think that he's played most of his roles very well so far and just seems like there's not a lot going on. I know that there was some stuff with him doing GCW and there were some people that got COVID. I don't know if he was among them or not, but... I know that it's kind of seemed like they were putting him in some pretty high-profile things. I mean, shit, he's already been in matches with Moxley and with Omega, yeah. and but and somehow isn't on screen every week, which yeah. is kind of confusing to me. I don't know. I don't really get it. I guess it's just because he doesn't have like an allegiance like the rest of them seem to. But um, yeah, I'm so, for it. I think that makes all the sense in the world. Well, actually, what do you yeah. think, man? I mean, honestly, I thought that was possibility 
since they advertised him on the show earlier that he could have interfered in the wedding because of the obvious fucking shit going on there. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'd be pretty cool. You know? Yeah, I feel Janella, like it, I, I don't know. I, yeah. Janella and the Kentucky gentlemen working together, New Jersey and Kentucky. We could, I can see it working. But then where, what's, what, what are they going to do with Sonny Kiss at that point? Because that's his real tag team partner. Could they in, in, integrate her I into mean, the group and make well, it a, a make like it a Sonny team. hasn't been on TV in a while either. Yeah, but that, that, uh, I mean, that's I mean, they, him and Jan- or her and Janella both work on Dark all the time. Dark. That's what I was going to say. AW. If you watch Dark, they both definitely have matches on there uh, fairly often. I haven't watched Dark in a while. Yeah, well, speaking of, like, matches that happen fairly often, uh, I mean, Ric Flair has got to be the staple of WCW at this point. So let's hop back over. It's uh, We got a classic Flair promo. Probably the promo of the night. No fucking surprise at all. Just the Nature Boy being the Nature Boy and delivering an amazing promo on Conan. And uh, I, I loved it. Wex, what do you think about this Flair promo, man? I mean, like you said, classic fucking Ric Flair. Like... There's not very many people who can outdo him on the mic. I mean, you have your Chris Jericho's, you're the Rocks. I mean, there's very few people who can just cut shit off top like Ric Flair. Oh, straight up. Yeah, you can't beat it. Jesse, where you at on? Dude, the highlight of this promo to me was Gene Okerlund by a long damn sight because yeah. oh, he's yeah, doing all woman. this physical comedy being all a, a fluster because woman just won't stop hitting on him. And she is doing a fucking fantastic job, too, by the way. Yeah. Just the whole like titillating, touching, you know, thing. My, my favorite whole thing while she's flirting with him, he keeps on doing the slapstick, like loses the mic gimmick, you know, yeah. and uh, he keeps catching it or whatever. And then they start talking about the party thing. And he's like, Liz came into a sum of money and, you know, and now woman is saying that she wants to have a private party and Gene's responsive private party just really, really got me. I thought that shit was hilarious. And then when Rick is saying that he's going to come back and be with the women with him at the hotel across the street, Gene's like, well, we're going to have a wrestling match. And it looks like possibly a pole vaulting competition. And I just (laughs) fucking fantastic. Yeah. So and so that means Ric Flair basically invented private party. Yeah, there you go. Well, Gene's the one that said it, but... Oh, well then, so Mean Gene Okerlund, Chris Jericho, I mean, he just must have been watching his Mean Gene tape and was just like, helped him out. I don't know why I said Chris Jericho, but I don't know, maybe because he was in WCW at the time and the only connection, maybe, I don't know. I don't know why the fuck I said that. Matt Hardy, (laughs) maybe. God damn it. You hit your yeah, head. Did, did, did you hit I mean, your I head? did drink some fucking uh, like nine percent beer. So oh, got that old God. concussion going on. Yeah. Oh yeah, concussion got, gimmick and a hundred percent effect. He got he got that uh, he got that jello brain. But uh, yeah, match next match on the card here is gonna be Ric Flair versus Conan for the U.S. Championship. Uh, I you know what I I felt like Conan's in ring work bell to bell was super super good here. Probably one of the best Conan matches I've ever seen. I mean. Uh, this version of Conan looked awesome. I mean, uh, and and to be honest, nobody wrestles that main event slower style like Flair. I mean, I'm, he's the best. There's no way around it. Uh, he's the best at doing a, a little to make it feel like a whole lot. And I mean, not to say he doesn't also do a whole lot when he needs to, because he definitely does. Um, but everything he does, every movement has a purpose. And every the fan, you notice every little movement that he does because he's that good. Uh, I love the cheat to win finish too. Top notch stuff. Ric Flair becomes your U.S. champion. It doesn't beat the opening match, but it's a damn good match. I gave it four beers. This would have been my surprise. Like, hey, 
you know, Conan and Ric Flair, you think they probably wouldn't have a great match? Go watch this match. Like, that, this would be my match to go back and watch. Ric Flair versus Conan, I absolutely loved it. Four beers for me. Jesse, where are you at on Ric Flair versus Conan here? I thought Conan's entrance jacket looked like he was a lost usher at the arena. That shit was confusing looking to that's, me. That's funny. Also, did you notice his uh, the spelling on his tights, on his singlet? Was Conan with only one N in the middle? Yeah, yeah. I didn't really realize that was a thing. I thought he was always K-O-N-N-A-N everywhere. But I guess in AAA at that point, he must have just had the one. But it was, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. Um, I thought Flair, you know, Flair is the master of taking the maximum amount of beats so the audience has no question what it is he's doing during the match. Yeah. It's so easy for everyone to understand. You don't have to know jack shit about wrestling. But you know what he's doing. Yeah. And that's why I think he's so good. He's selling huge for Conan here. Yes, yes. That's one of those things where Conan did wrestle a fucking fantastic match. This kind of showed why he was the quote-unquote Hulk Hogan of Mexico for so long. But Flair selling for him just took it to a completely different level. I thought all the valet shenanigans were directly on brand for for Flair. It all totally made sense. Totally, yeah. It's sort of sad almost to see Liz here. I know she was around. She was with us for Nancy. I mean. It's sad to see Nancy just because she's no longer with us, but Liz is like, I know she was with us for a little while longer, but she just looked like you could tell she was enjoying her money is what I'll say. Yeah. But it was, she was a little bit worse for wear. Uh, I thought Nancy, you know, Nancy was in great form and she was fucking working her ass off the entire time. She was spry as fuck hopping on and off the apron and doing great work. But the, uh, Liz bumping outside of the ring popped me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Conan fucking knocked her on her ass. I was like, shit. I don't really recall seeing Liz bump ever. They yeah. even said that. They even like they kind of alluded that on commentary. They're like, "Oh, we don't see that very often." Yeah, I don't think that was intentional, but the uh, th- there was that weird spot where woman shakes the bottom rope to get Conan off of the top rope when it looks like he's about yeah. to jump to the outside. That was a little awkward, but I don't know. Overall, I thought it was absolutely fucking great. The uh, distracted shoe to the face to take the win. I gave it three and a half beers. I thought Conan still looked strong coming out of it obviously they had to cheat to beat him or whatever but you know taking the l to flair on probably wcw's biggest show of the year especially up to that point not a bad place to be not at all definitely not a bad spot at all wex what do you think about the flair versus conan match here i'm pretty much almost i guess right did you say three and a half jesse i did that's exactly where i'm at and the only reason it didn't go for like you daniel is because i thought there was just a little bit too much interference going on on the outside. Some of it worked, but just it got a little bit too ridiculous at some point. But absolutely third best match of the night for me. The Demal- Honestly, in-ring work overall, Dean Malenko match and this match were equal for me. But the fact that there's just too much interference. Like you said, Flair was fucking selling his ass off. Like every time he would go in the corner for the cla- – like literally my, my basic – quote for this match classic ass rick flair shit like yeah. i don't know how any other way to describe this but like every time he would go in the corner for his chop conan would just fucking punch him in the face and he would eat shit like he he, he was just selling the fuck out for conan when it was yeah. great it was a solid match like the four horsemen were so over at this point like the crowd yeah. were just like super like well at this point they're already legends it's been 10 years or more of the of the four horsemen you know what i mean like yeah. Like we just said about Ric Flair, he was selling really hard. 
And even like the weird surfboard botch that happened, he was still selling like he was dying. Even yeah. though it wasn't cinched in the right way, I still loved it. And then they like Bobby the Brain Heenan kept again, Bobby the Brain Heenan all night on commentary was popping me and cracking me up because he just kept just being just a fucking like a slight little asshole with these just like little yeah. little fucking comments, but like he's like, doesn't have it cinched in. What what's he doing? Oh, oh, now he does. Now it's cinched in, like that was probably yeah. not a very good imitation of his voice. I don't know what I was doing there, but <laughs> uh, like you said, that Elizabeth bump was great. And I noticed that Shivani, 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 however you want to say it, on commentary, he said that, oh, Flair's in the best shape of his career, but I thought Flair looked still pretty fucking old for 1996 there. Like, I thought he looked the great, best actually. Shape of his career. I mean, he was, I mean, yeah, he was still doing everything. And honestly, Flair from 96 is. Not much different from like Flair from 06 taking like bumps off of ladders to me. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, there's a big difference to me, but I thought, I don't know. It's a 10 year difference, but I mean, bumps off of ladders versus what he was doing here. No, I agree. But three and a half beers, bad heel shot at the end. It clearly didn't connect, but I mean, we'll give it to woman. And I will say, I saw Sammy Guevara rocking a woman shirt uh, earlier today on a picture, and I thought it was pretty cool. <laughs> woman, uh, which I've always thought was one of the weirdest just names for a person, just woman. But I thought it was great, and her original yeah. gimmick it made a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, but the but by the time she's doing this shit with Ric Flair, it makes no sense. They just should have called her Nancy Benoit or Nancy Sullivan or. Nancy. Which we'll get to. We'll, we'll get to that at the next. I mean, part. We already had Elizabeth. We could have just had Nancy. It would have been fine. Yeah, we'll get to that literally in the next match of, on this card, which is very weird. But we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. Well, let's jump back over to the main card here. Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston in a lumberjack match. Uh, man, I like the rivalry. I thought the guys had really great chemistry between them. Uh, the Archer dive in the open was pretty sick too. Um, I mean, for two bigger guys, I thought they delivered. The finish was a little convoluted, but I did enjoy it overall. Uh, I gave it three and a half beers. I was actually on a little bit more on this one than, than maybe the rest. Uh, Jesse, what do you think about Lance Archer versus Eddie Kingston here? I, you know, they were brutal with each other from the jump. Uh, I, you know, there was a ridiculous amount of lumberjack involvement, and I know that's how these matches tend to go. Always, uh, yeah. I, it was pretty cool seeing Bear Country in there, though. I've followed them yeah. and beyond and a handful of other indies, and that team fucking rules ass. So it was really cool seeing them. Butcher and Blade were in there a whole bunch. Well, they're, they're bear country, so of course they rule ass. Goddamn right. And there was a, uh, you know, the huge splash from Archer. His agility is impressive for his size for sure. He's one of the few big men who can do that, and it actually looks decent. Um, I, there wasn't enough offense from Kingston for me. I kind of was hoping that there would be a little bit more of a back and forth than focusing on the Lumberjacks and then having it mainly be Archer, which is what it felt like to me. You get the blackout for the three. I gave it two and a half beers only because I kind of felt like it came off as one-sided. But also, I think that's mostly because of the like huge amount of involvement from the dudes on the outside. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Wax, where you at on it? I'm literally right there with you 100% at three and a half beers. And like I said, like that big dive at the big, like the beginning that you mentioned, the big dive, that was awesome. You basically, I can't really mention much stuff that you guys didn't already say. I like the fact that Jake the Snake got involved in Helico and kind of gave a little botch clothesline and ate shit himself, but it was still pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, uh, mean, I mean, it's it's always funny to see Jake the Snake in there. smiling too. Like he he kind he like gave him a good pat with a grin on his face. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And the reason that why, like, this match was pretty cool, but I think this was basically going to be what's going to set up for the rubber match because the match they had the week before on Dynamite was way better, way more brutal. Like, if y'all remember that, the choke slam onto the apron, one of the most brutal spots that I've seen in a while. And Eddie Kingston, in this match, in that last match, really in any match, he sells, like, every move like he's dying. I, yeah, he like, does. He's fucking brilliant. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm right there with Jesse. Three and a half beers. I'm hoping we get a rubber match, maybe in a future Dynamite, maybe at Revolution. We'll see where yeah. it goes. We'll definitely see where it goes. Uh, I'm glad I didn't see many more of these matches, at least. The next match on the card here is going to be Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson representing the Four Horsemen versus the Giant and the Taskmaster uh, representing the Dungeon of Doom. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, it was a, it was a straight brawl. I don't know what I expected, uh, but it was I don't know, dude. It's especially felt weird to see like Sullivan and Benoit fighting like that just all obviously just makes me just yeah. feel cringy. Uh, I mean, it's a real situation and you can't really get past it. Um, but I mean, I feel like Benoit and Anderson have to had to kind of like accommodate their styles or really lack of style for their opponents really um and and the match wasn't bad per se uh but again it was kind of underwhelming just because i was kind of excited to see benoit tag with anderson and see where that went but you know i mean i I don't know the highlight of it was the giant carrying sullivan his little ass out out of the ring i thought it was fucking hilarious i guess i give the i give the whole thing like a beer and a half Wex, what do you think about Benoit Anderson versus the Giant and the tackle task, the tackle master, the taskmaster? The tackle master. I mean, it was pretty. I mean, I feel like they did the best. That, like Benoit and Arn Anderson, two like goddamn, two of the best wrestlers of all time. Like yeah, besides, sure. you know, whatever the Benoit did, whatever the fuck, you know. Bell to bell wrestlers. Bell to bell wrestlers. Whatever. Bell to bell. Two of the best of all time. They did the best they could with what they were given. I mean, sure. yeah. Honestly. And I don't want to be an asshole, but literally, I don't even have a rating down for this one because, like, it just—it wasn't there for you. It just—it just, it just didn't it hit for me. Uh, I'll just—I didn't even. Uh, I—I I was the designated driver on this match. Uh, oh shit! I, I mean, a dud? Was, you're giving Arn Anderson a dud here it's on this not show. Arn Anderson. It's just, and I won't even say that the reason I didn't write it down. If I think about it for a second. The fact that Benoit and Anderson put in some work, I'll go ahead and give it a two beers. I didn't write it down, but in the moment, wasn't there. But I'm thinking about it later. Two beers, and the giant. You know, he finished with uh, his the, the showstopper choke slam, which people you know remember that was his move, and he was the big. They used to call they used to call it the showstopper. I think yeah. they probably quit calling that after like what six months. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Probably Sean. You remember speak all the showstopper, but like you said, the cringe of the Benoit thing, and even post match when they're beating down Kevin Sullivan, she's telling him to stop. Like, felt 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 a little weird there. But for overall, because you got two of the greatest workers, we'll at least go for two beers because they did what they could. And like like you said, the whole thing of him carrying him out of the ring, I thought he was gonna eat shit for a second. Like it looked like he was like, uh 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 uh, but I'll be all right. Jesse, what do you think about this uh, horseman slash Dungeon of Doom wrestling match? <laughs> I just, I kind of wish it was a wrestling match and not, yeah, no shit, weird, yeah. you know, gimmicky attack by the dungeon and you get Mongo's interference and Giants gone for a while and yeah. you got Arn Anderson and Chris Benoit that both get to work over Sullivan. Now let's talk about booking for a second. 
out of Kevin Sullivan and the Giant, if you were going to take one guy out and have two guys work over the remaining partner, wouldn't you leave Giant in there instead? No, I agree. It yeah, just, the whole mock. Yeah, that was fucking well, stupid. Well, not 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 so when the, not when uh, the old spark plug holds the pencil, buddy. That's not how that's yeah, yeah, I know. But it, it just, uh, I mean, but he just got his ass kicked the whole time, though. Yeah, and that's then true. like there was that whole thing, and then he dragged, you know, Benoit dragged Sullivan up the ramp. The Nancy coming out thing was also weird, just because like she was so prominently involved in this other angle that clearly didn't have anything to do. If anything, she should have been on Benoit's side because she was with Rick. He's get, you know, Sullivan's yeah, that, trying to get himself exactly. over as a baby face, 100%. That's why it made why it so like a weird cringe with the divorce because she's with the horsemen, but then she's telling Benoit to stop. Like, Yeah, it was it was kind of, you know, that was one of those things where it, it's, it's like they were trying to do the work shoot thing and, you know, Sullivan worked himself into a shoot. That's what it seems like to me. But <laughs> the uh, I don't know if that was done by now or what, but I would wager to say not. Giant fucking zombies his way back down the ramp with his greener and goose shit attitude going on right then, and then he yeah. uh, gets the three count with the choke slam. I gave it a beer, only just I mean, it's like Arn and Benoit couldn't have really done anything different. I mean, you're in a match with the fucking Booker. It was poorly put together. The whole concept of it really robbed all four of them of any opportunity to give a stellar performance, and it was all just kind of a big package to put Giant over, which it did, but I thought poorly. Yeah, I agree with that totally. I mean, sadly, if you are abreast in 96, 97, 98 in WCW, this storyline goes on for a long time, uh, well into 1997 and beyond. So uh, they kept this shit going for way too long. Um, yeah, it's, it was pretty rough. But the next the next match we have on the card on the current promo here, the current day product, rather, is we have a promo from uh, Joey Janela right before the main event on his match with Allen, and I thought Janela delivered a pretty solid promo for sure. Um, but the match on the card here is essentially the Bullet Club. It is Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus Pac, Moxley, and Phoenix. Uh, quite a random trio there, if you ask me. Um, but, you know, I mean, it was a great main event for a regular Dynamite episode. I, I mean, I enjoyed the match, but I felt like it was just a hodgepodge. And for a TV special, I, I don't know. It just didn't feel like a special main event. It was just kind of, I mean, granted, these are all like well-known guys, but there's no real reason for Pac and Moxley and Phoenix to be together. It just, I mean, I understand that Penta is supposed to be here, but then where would Moxley have fit on the show? Surely you would have had him wrestle somebody. Uh, I don't know, man. It just kind of felt like an average dynamite with some beach themes, and it kind of underachieved to me. The Kenta debut was cool. Uh, it was cool to see him there. It was definitely a surprise. I like the whole New Japan vibe that's happening. Answers that whole question that we had a couple weeks ago about the Bullet Club t-shirt. If there's a working relationship there, I'm sure they're fine selling t-shirts through AEW or Impact or whoever else is going to pay for them. Uh, it, overall, it wasn't bad. It just didn't meet my expectations. I get four beers total because Bell to Bell and Kenny Omega and Pac and Phoenix. I mean, you can't they're not going to be bad. Uh, but uh, overall, just, uh, you know, a little underwhelming for me. Wex, what do you think about this main event Bullet Club versus these three dudes? I'm going a little bit higher. And the only reason I'm going to disagree a little bit with you, because with the addition of the Kenta debut, it made sense for Mox to be there. Oh, you think that's where they're going with Mox? Just yeah, with obviously, Kenta? because, I mean, yeah. you know, the next week they already they 
if you watch the post match, well, I don't know if you did. Everybody probably doesn't go watch the post match exclusive online shit. But Kenta is basically told Kenny Omega, "Fuck you, shut the fuck up. I'm not here for you. I'm here for Mox." And he basically made that clear. But still, they set up for the next week on Dynamite for Kenny and Kenta versus Mox and Archer, which all have New Japan ties. And I've been noticing they've been promoting now Mox as the IWGP US heavyweight champion. They've even been promoting it in photos and showing him holding the belt, which they previously never did up until this week. Yeah, yeah. but which shows this is very important for the whole Kenta debut. But yeah. obviously, like you said, the whole thing with uh, Pentagon Jr. being stuck in Mexico at the moment. But, but like you said, bell to bell, fantastic. Like the trio of Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers, they've been putting on some goddamn bangers. And I'm really hoping we get those trios championships because them winning it and like going with their whole Hill storyline, you know, biz clues, cashing checks, breaking necks. You know what I'm talking about? Checks and championships. That would just it would go great with the whole vibe, the whole thing. I really love the match. Magic killer for the win. Obviously, the forbidden door is open. Five beers. All right. Jesse, where are you out on this main event? Man, I enjoyed it good enough. It was, uh, you know. I went a little lower than Daniel. Ooh, only because wow. I just really felt. That feels right, actually. My thing is. I love the Good Brothers and Omega, and I think what they're doing, you know, they they come in and like a good heel team should do, they exemplify teamwork in a real big way. You know, they, they're really quick tags, cutting off the ring, proving that they've worked together. And you're telling a story here, obviously, of the other three really have not very much. You know, I know Pac is part of the death triangle with the Lucha Brothers, but the thing is, we still haven't seen he and Phoenix team together very often. Yeah, so well, they started that like right, and then quarantine hit pretty much. Right. And so there's no – like that dynamic is just not there with them, and they played to that, which I thought was good. Um, you know, I know Penta was supposed to be here. It was supposed to be Death Triangle or whatever, and I'm sure they would have had Mox run in and then have Kenta run in had that been the way things played out. But they tied in Lance Archer instead. I think that makes sense. He has some past New Japan style as well. So Suzuki gun. It all kind of ties in. The um, I, I thought the rotation of members of both teams was really well done in terms of plotting the match out. Uh, there were great segments that all participants had. I do think Moxley has got to stop doing that goddamn suicide dive. Ugh. It just looks worse and worse every time, and it's, it doesn't make sense. With you know, like I get you're throwing yourself at somebody, but figure out a different way to do it if you're going to do it. That just that thing is just weird. You come out and land on your feet and just kind of push the guy. Like it, there's no impact to it. It's just very unimpressive. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. The uh, you know we see Archer's involvement. The Kenta thing. It's weird, you know, part of me wishes it wasn't Kenta. Part of me wishes that it had been, like, if it were possible for it to be... Jay White or something like that? Jay White, or if there was a way that they could have done something different and it was Okada, or, like, I just kind of wish it was... Tanahashi, Yeah, I just think it was a bigger New Japan name that was coming through that was, quote-unquote, opening the Forbidden Door, because, like, Kenta, to us, you know, we we get it, but we're wrestling fans. Yeah, essentially we're getting John. We're essentially we're getting Dean Ambrose versus like Hideo Tommy. Yeah, it's it's I, I, it's like that wasn't it's that's not, not a great though. match anywhere, you know. Like, no, and the, uh, it, I, I'm thinking of again the Joe Blow that has just like I watch a lot of NBA on TNT. We'll see what this goddamn wrestling thing's about, and then yeah. they're like, "Who the fuck is this short guy?" <laughs> you know, they're like, "It doesn't mean anything to the, the average purple guy." Hair. Yeah. And if they did see him on WWE, then they probably fucking hate him. 
Yeah. Because exactly. not one good thing happened in his career at WWE. Yeah. So it's just kind of, you yeah, know, he was introduced by Hulk Hogan. That means he was, he was going to have a promising career. All right. Right. Yeah. And then he just was injured the entire time. But the, the GTS, you know, we, we covered this somewhat already, but you know, I fucking hated it. I, I don't, it just looked too awkward. Moxley's too big for that guy to give a GTS to. It just didn't fucking, I don't know. It made no sense. But, yeah, I gave it three and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I mean, it is what it is. I don't know. I feel like Kenta had such a great name before he went to NXT, but he had so many injuries. And to me, he's just washed, man. I I don't mean that as, like, a personal thing against him or anything like that. It's just, like, I, I don't know if he can recover just from... I just don't think he can recover. He, he at least hasn't to me. I mean, granted, I'm not a, a, a an avid New Japan guy, and I'm sure maybe a lot of those guys are just happy to see him. And maybe he's maybe he's honestly been doing great shit in New Japan, and I just haven't seen it. Uh, but I don't he know. Is I better just, there. I'm sure he is better. I'm sure he's better there. But like, I don't know. I I just I don't know. He's if I'm gonna watch New Japan, he's not on my short list of guys that I have to see. I guess. Uh, but then again, neither is Moxley, so fuck it. Let them both go to New Japan, and I'm going to be totally fine with it. But let's, let's let's get on to the main event here, the actual, the reason why we're we're all having this discussion, honestly. Um, man, this is uh, this is going to be the main event in 1996, Bash, Bash at the Beach. Uh, we kind of had the same promo package for the opening of the show as we had here for to hype the main event. And Buffer did a pretty solid job of like kind of hyping the main event himself. And, of course, we get the ready-to-rumble uh, from Buffer, it's all very cool. Uh, and then, of course, we had a, a few like awkward promo segments here in the beginning because it was just Hall and Nash that came out, and they, you know, they're teasing the third man, but he doesn't come out, and they say they can handle it themselves. I thought that writing was incredible. Yeah, dude, it's Hall and Nash in question mark versus Sting, Savage, and Luger. That's literally what it says like on the ne- the network too. Uh, Jesse, what did you think about the match itself? Just the match itself first. You know, it was uh, I, I I thought they could have done a little bit better job explaining why Lex Luger needed to be stretchered out. You know, I agree kind of, with that part. Yeah, it was a little bit of a schmoz. The rest of it, outsiders did classic heel tag team work. All the leverage spots, the fake tag. I mean, all of the stuff you expect yeah. to see out of you know, an eighties monster era, like Crockett tag veteran team tag team too. And at, at this yeah. point, this guy's hadn't really tagged that much. Not really at all. And I mean, yeah. you know, like, like maybe a couple of times in WWF, but really not at all. Yeah. So yeah. it was kind of one of those things that sort of surprised me to see how well they did work together. And they had both, they both copped that attitude thing that they had and that swagger at the same time to the same level in the same way. And in my opinion, that's extremely rare. Yeah, because they were both kind of coming from completely even inside WWF. They were coming from completely different places. You know, Razor Ramon had already come to the conclusion they were never going to make him a top guy. He was always going to be the top of the mid card, maybe in the main event, but never going to win it. Whereas Isol had held the belt for fucking over a year. Yeah, yeah. And it was kind of, you know, they were in completely different positions inside that company, but they both come in with the same swagger and the same cockiness. And it was a very unified front, in my opinion, which was clutch to telling the story inside the ring, even. Um, that was how they fought WCW. And you had the the valiant effort of the ever good babyface, you know, perennial Sting Macho Man just trying to fight from the bottom. And to make Sting and Macho Man fight from underneath the entirety of the match, I thought was a stroke of genius as well, because... Yep. 
that's just not something that you ever really see, you know? Totally. Yeah. Totally agree. Wex, what do you think about the actual match here, the main event? If we're just going to go for just the in-ring work of the match, not minus like the whole segment, the story, everything, I go three beers. But if we include the whole story, the segment, and everything that involved, I'm going to go five all the way. Okay. But just for in-ring work, purely like, but the match, like, every, like you, bas- you guys basically touched on a lot of things. I really like how uh, Razor, sorry, I really like how Scott Hall was in full Razor Ramon gimmick mode at the beginning of the match, calling yeah. him Scheme Gene, doing the whole Chico thing. There was kind of a scary botch where Randy Savage was trying to move out of the way, just kind of got elbowed on the back of his head, neck. Yeah, yeah. That looked pretty rough at that point. Uh, like, but like I said, the match wasn't. Anything special, but, like, this whole story worked really good there. And Bobby the Brain Heenan, like, one of the greatest lines he said when they were throwing the trash in the ring at the point, he was like, like, I never thought I'd see trash thrown at Hulk Hogan at WCW ring, though they should have been doing that a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Popped real hard. (laughs) That was great. Yeah. Honestly, like, Hogan's promo, one of the best live, non-pre-recorded Hogan promos that he's probably ever cut. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'll give it to him. Like he, like if you go to like all of his other ones and like all of his live ones that he cut in WWE, like whoosh, he got fucking rough. But I guess maybe they gave him scripts back then, like they do these days. But I don't know. But this one, I'll say he gave a pretty solid. It was classic wrestling, just yelling. But I mean, he did it. Yeah, I mean, to me, man, I felt like the T, all the T's for the third man, the way they started the match with Mean Gene getting in there and then doing the whole thing. And like, I do agree that commentary should have done a better job explaining why Luger was written out early. But I thought it was, I thought that this is probably the, not only the best written angle in WCW history, which it obviously is, but it's might have been one of the best written matches. I mean, the way it was booked, the way it was laid out creatively was pretty smart getting Luger out of there. And I thought that the, I mean, I'm with Jesse. I thought it was so fluid. And at this point too, like guys, this is 96 and like, and and you're right. Like razor wasn't on the same level as diesel and WWF, but just the build for this pay-per-view and these guys having the same swagger in the same way and delivering it like to a T perfectly at this point to me, hall and Nash were literally equal. This is the most hall Scott hall was ever over ever. I mean, these dudes were like, they really did a great job to get to this pay-per-view feeling like Hall and Nash were bigger stars than anyone else in the company, including Sting, including Savage, including Hogan, including anybody. They were the most important guys. They could literally cripple the WCW with one special guest guy to add to their group. You know what I mean? That's that's insane. Yeah. And they sold it that well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's and the match I thought was great. I mean, again, like having 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 Savage and Sting work from underneath fantastic like i i thought the match was actually significantly better than i remembered it being i thought the tag match for a 90s big man style um you know tag match it was really really good and then like dude and then you have the the best swerve the biggest swerve and best swerve that will ever happen ever in the history of professional wrestling I mean, with Hogan coming out, the way commentary sold it, the way they were literally adding notes to Hogan's promo as it was happening. And again, you're absolutely right. Hogan knocked it out of the park. I mean, best promo of his career, just phenomenal. I mean, dude, there was 
like people talk about the eighties and like, Oh, you know, the whole, the whole damn building was riding. I got stabbed and we had to get the sheriffs to, to escort us out. Like dude, in my lifetime, there was no heat ever in any WWF show, any WWE show, any WCW, any show that I've ever been to in a, an arena ever or seen ever had this kind of heat at the end of the show. I mean, this was the biggest thing to ever happen in pro wrestling. Having all that garbage pile in is a first time thing that at least in my lifetime I'd ever really seen. It was insane. Six out of six beers. You can, I mean, to me, this is, this is one of the most iconic angles and matches in professional wrestling history. You can't, you don't get bigger than this, in my opinion. It's you just, you, because it, it crosses from the marks, even at the time, all the way to the casual fan that just loved, that was a Hulkamaniac or whatever. You can't beat it. I mean, Jesse, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong at all. I mean, I, I didn't give the match itself a beer rating, but if you include all of this all the way together, which you kind of have to. It's yeah. I mean, I I cannot disagree. It's six out of six. I mean, it's yeah. arguably the most important angle in the history of professional wrestling. Yes. yes. And I say arguably because I'm sure that there are some other things that turn the tide on development. And sure. there's certainly things, you know, you can't underestimate the advent of rock and wrestling, for example, right. WrestleMania one, 1985, the tie ins of Cindy Lauper and all that stuff, you know, that that elevated the idea of WrestleMania itself to a huge level. There are several examples that are just like that. However, this is certainly among them, and in my opinion, the one that saved wrestling in the 90s as a whole. Because had it not been for this swerve and this completely unbelievable thing to happen, I don't know that anything about the culture of professional wrestling would have appealed to your average youth anymore. Yeah. It had gone too far by this point. You know, so it, it's it, it was the right push at the right time. Yeah, it, it was yeah. a push that needed to happen for sure. So overall, actually, if I, I literally like averaged out on a calculator based on my beer ratings, like which which show would win to me. And it was literally two point six one versus two point seven eight. And WCW actually got the nod as the better show to me overall. Uh, I mean, and I, 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 I can't agree. I mean, it was close. It was very close. But. I, I feel like that's 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 my pick. WCW Bash at the Beach to me, 1996 overall as a show was better than AEW Beach Blast from 2021. Wex, what do you think? If you had to pick one or the other, which one are you going with? It was uh, like kind of you. I was very like torn between the two. I didn't put it into a calculator to get my exact calculation of what it was, but. Well, Overall, because of the pure nostalgia and everything, I got to go with WCW. And there's one specific line at the very, very end of the show. It's like, signing off, I'm Tony Schiavone. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. You can go straight to hell. That, can, that fucking popped me by myself just laughing straight out loud. I love AEW, the modern shit. It's probably my favorite modern promotion, the main top promotions. But obviously... It's going to be kind of hard to beat the most iconic goddamn moment in modern wrestling history, the New World Organization or Order, whatever they want to call it. NWO, you got to go with the NWO. Got to go with Bash the Beach. Jesse, which show wins this kayfabe comparison, brother? It's got to be Bash, man. I mean, Beach Break had Beach Break had two, maybe arguably three, like somewhat large scale segments that made sense and or matches that yeah. were good as three out of all of the moments on the show 
Now, there were less moments on the show, so percentage-wise, that still may be up there. But if I'm looking at Bash and I'm looking at literally even just Psychosis and Ray, Dean and Disco, the main event, the I mean, obviously, the main event by itself sets this show in, it gives it a place in history that is completely and totally undeniable, in my opinion. But also, Flair and fucking Conan. Like, what yeah. a match. I don't know. No, Maybe, I agree, I just, man. It was a really well put together card. If you were to have a card like this, looks like what a modern day AEW card might look like. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. You know, I can agree with that. Yeah. And it, actually, it, they're actually weirdly enough, and I didn't think about it until just now, but there are kind of some parallels with the main event. And oh, absolutely. Yeah, there there are a handful, a handful of different things in here that sort of make sense that way, and that's not something that dawned on me until as I speak. Until <laughs> as I speak. Yeah, I mean, AEW is arguably the next. I mean, they, they literally are playing the WCW role in this generation. Uh, and I'm here for it. I, I enjoy it. There's a lot of WCW that I enjoy. I mean, I grew up in the South and I watched a lot of WCW growing up and I don't regret a minute of it. So, uh, I mean, hence why we are here having these conversations. But your unanimous winner for this kayfabe comparison is WCW's Bash at the Beach from 1996. Uh, Jesse says go watch that Disco Dean match, but I think we all agree if we had to pick one match here, I would say at least it's going to be probably Conan versus Ric Flair. Definitely go check that out. It's a surprise match if you get a chance. If you just want to watch, want to burn 15 minutes, that's a that's a good one to catch up on. I say it's the Psychosis versus uh, Rey Mysterio match. That's, that's just fair. my opinion. That's fair, but I feel like everybody knows that's a damn yeah, thing. Yeah, Obviously, watch that one, too. Yeah. It's an instant classic, you know. For sure. Well, thank you guys so much for sticking around. Uh, next week, we'll be right back at you. We're going to be covering NXT's Vengeance Day. Not NXT Vengeance, but Vengeance Day. Uh, they're having their own little TV special, so we'll see if they actually live up to, uh, you know, at least AEW's TV special or not. And we're going to do that against a 15-year comparison. It's going to be TNA's. Against all odds from 2006, we got Jeff Jarrett and Christian Cage for the NWA Heavyweight Championship in the main event on that one. I'm pretty excited. Jesse, what do you think about, uh, do you know anything that's going to be happening for Vengeance Day even? I don't even know who's on the card for that. I haven't been paying any attention to NXT, frankly. I watched part of the episode last week, and what I saw was good, and it just hit a point where I just got disinterested and stopped watching. Sure. The um, I don't really know... I mean, it's kind of exciting. I don't really know anything about it. I I'm, I think there's some kind of Champa Thatcher thing going on, maybe. Yeah. Um, that'd be cool. I, I don't really even know who else to. I know Gargano is out of action apparently. Yeah. Um, I don't know how that affects any other title picture type stuff. I don't know who Finn's facing at all. Um, maybe Kyle O'Reilly or some shit. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I'm kind of going into it blind, too, and I'm pretty excited about it because, I mean, I feel like Vengeance – or not Vengeance. I feel like NXT always kind of delivers on their specials or takeovers or wherever. Uh, Wex, uh, how are you feeling about this uh, TNA versus NXT comparison next week? I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, Vengeance was always one of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. You know, Vince McMahon and Booker T screwed Stone Cold. If you remember yeah. that, uh, that was from the first ever Vengeance uh, Chris Benoit's last ever supposed match was supposed to be at Vengeance. Uh, Vengeance has a lot of history. It certainly does. It certainly does. Hopefully NXT will do it proud. I'm always excited to deep dive into some older TNA stuff, especially from the early to mid-2000s as well. 
Uh, the following week, we're going to be coming right back at you with the most current WWE pay-per-view. It's going to be Elimination Chamber 2021, and we're actually going to be putting that one up against an ECW show. I don't think we've covered an ECW show as as this formation of the Kayfabe crew, have we? No, not yet. We haven't yet, and we're going to be covering the last ever ECW pay-per-view. It's going to be Guilty as Charged from 2001, so a 20-year comparison there. Guilty as Charged. Guilty as charged. Yes, sir. I'm pretty excited, man. That's going to wrap it up for us, though. That's the next two weeks of content. we got a lot of really cool stuff coming up, especially for the road to WrestleMania and how a WrestleMania season is going to shape out on the show. And then we've got some big, big, big shit in store for you guys right after WrestleMania. Stay tuned on some exact dates. More information to come. But the uh, the sacred Patreon that we've been talking about on this show for a while is right around the corner. We're hoping to have a bunch of content up for you guys um, right around uh, after WrestleMania time. And I'm, I'm just super pumped. A little more indie spotlights, some more watch-alongs that you guys like. There's going to be all, all kinds of cool shit in there. Maybe it's just some one-on-one, some independent little notes. Maybe just Jesse bitching about traffic. Who knows? Like, we'll, we'll, put, we'll just have, you know, we're just going to open up our lives to you guys. Uh, we really appreciate you guys subbing to the show. Be sure to tell a friend. Hit that five-star review. Leave us a review, please. That means the world to us. It's a huge thing for the charts. I don't really understand how it all works. I'm an idiot. But please leave a review if you're listening to the show. Leave us five stars and leave us a show that you like. What was the show that you loved growing up? The show that got you really into wrestling? A pay-per-view that you really remember? We will be sure to shout you out on the show and cover that one as well. You can always find me at Daniel Daybreak and always at kfabe.com. Jesse Baker, where can folks find you? On Instagram and Twitter, it's at Jesse Baker Nash. And on Facebook, it's just regular old Jesse Baker. And Lex, where can folks find you in your AEW reviews? Well, y'all can find me on my YouTube channel at Wex Breaking the Lawson. You can also find me at Wex Breaking the Lawson on Instagram and just Wex Breaking the on Twitter because y'all know the rest. Yes. I want to thank Wex for sticking with us and his lightweight ass after all them Steve Weisers this evening. Appreciate all your, your hard effort there, buddy. We'll see you guys next week. We're out. Peace. Oh shit!